Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to the Screen Bucket Podcast. Episode 17? Oh, yes. We're almost legal. We've come far. What does that mean? Oh, because of the film ratings. Yeah. Yeah. What did you you mean? I was thinking booze. Oh. Because we are about six fosters in each, I think, by now. Yes, yes we are. (laughs) It is bank holiday, don't judge. Yeah, bank holiday for all you international listeners. This is in the UK when the banks go on holiday and you just get drunk. Uh, yeah, if you're English. Yeah. Yeah, sit in the sun, get drunk, do barbecues. Or if you live in Perton, uh, destroy your um, front garden. What, a fire? Let's just watch like four people like digging up their garden. Yeah, yeah. Well, must want my dad today, he was just randomly in the garden smashing a bench. <laughs> Uh, why? Is he right? I was hungover and mum was like, well, can you help your dad? He's in the garden smashing a bench. <laughs> and I was like, no, well, I do not want to do that, but then I have to do it. And then he, <laughs> so why Why does the bank holiday inspire people to... People have gone mad. The yeah. whole world is going mad. We're burning alive. Global warming. Yeah, Brexit's sort of happening. Yeah. People are losing their minds and just and smashing island, benches somewhere in scotland set on fire this weekend did you see that no i didn't see that wildfires in scotland in april in scotland wow mental yeah well you know the world's ending that's the world uh, is ending. i was i was saying this to someone the other day you know mad max fury road and mm. also two as well there's like an intro Really like sad, sort of downbeat. How water wars? People are going mad and killing each other. If you just put that intro over clips on the news, oh, it'd be like current point. news. Yeah, yeah, on point. Yeah, a turtle died. The last turtle of a species. Did you yeah. see that? Was it a turtle or turtoise? It's a sea turtoise. turtoise. It was a sea, uh, some sort of aquatic turtle. That'd be a turtle then. Yeah, and it and it popped its clogs, and it's the last female. So we're no longer getting any more of those turtles because of the global warming. Oh, is that why? Those specific turtles. I think so. I assume so. Not that they kept eating bloody plastic bags. Idiots. Thanks, Al Gore. Yeah. Killing all the turtles with your mad theories. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, uh, what was on our show? Uh, Well, we talked about uh, Indiana Jones. Raiders of Lost Ark. Yeah, one of the great blockbusters of all time. Which a sickening amount of people at work just hadn't seen. You can't, you just can't not have seen Indiana Jones by the time you're in your twenties. There's no excuse. It it's madness to me. Yeah. What were people doing when they weren't watching films? It's, I mean, it's one of the great films of all time. It's the reason why it's so immersed. But it's one of those films that I used to watch with my family. Yeah. Like it wasn't just something I did on my own. No. Which. Arguably, it was probably Star Wars, but Indiana Jones was a was a it group was a family thing. event. I was hundred percent the same. Yeah. We'd sit around, probably get some fish and chips for it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, yeah, madness. People who don't watch it. Mm. What else did we talk about? Uh, we went into we talked about quaggers and like the art of making a a creature. How how do you want to make a good creature in film? And we talked about the new Star Wars trailer. And the new Child's Play trailer. Yeah. <clears throat> Some negative things going on there in both of them. Um, and then we played a silly game with your DVDs. Yeah. See, I don't think they're that weird. Mm. You clearly have a different opinion. Well, it's, at least it's not a porn collection from the 90s. No, that. No, I've got Black Sunday. That sounds like something. Black Sunday. Mm. Oh, dear. Uh, Blair Witch. 
Book of Shadows. Have you seen that? I heard it's like the worst film ever made. I really like it. Really? It's not Blair Witch. It is it, is doesn't it a found footage film? It's probably closer to The Hangover. <laughs> All right. Or Paranormal... Nah. Yeah, they sort of wake up and they find their own tapes. Right. And they're trying to piece it together. Okay. okay. It's a very different type of film. Mm. There's a reason for it being Blair Witch. What was I was hearing about that? It was something along the lines that they were desperate to rush something out, so they took a different thing and rebranded right, it. Right, okay. It's, I, I quite like it. You quite like I it. I quite like it, mate. I quite like it. All right, anyway. well, sh- should we play this damn radio show? I don't know if you want to keep waffling. Um... Uh, yes, put the radio show on, shall we? Yes, put the radio show on. Yeah, put the radio on. show uh, on. Oh, sorry, did that start? <laughs> oh, this is Screen Bucket with Adam and Rob. Learn about movies whilst we're getting your job. It's TV and games and other stuff too. And we're going to share all this with you. Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to Stream Buckets. Yay! Yay! Hey, uh, springtime, it's finally over, it's hot outside. Stream yes, bucket. we've said it once before, but now it's it's actually happening. Yeah. I can see the sun, I can feel the sun, it's on my back. Yeah, really hot in April. Yes. Yes. But we're not doing full-on summer yet, we are... What are we doing? What are we doing? Well, it's the first bank holiday, isn't it, really, when we're recording it? Yeah, we're kicking off with some bank holiday classics, or classic. Huh? Yeah. Uh, oh. Like, the ultimate one. The best bank holiday movie you could ever watch. Yes. This is a film that people say they haven't seen. People in their 20s, you know, not kids. Yeah, I was just speaking... Should we say what it is? Oh, go on then, go ahead. Indiana Jones. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, like a classic. Yeah. Um, without a doubt a classic and it used to be on every bank holiday it did and yet people haven't seen it what to me it's as like much of a crime as to have not seen well like Star Wars Jurassic Park it's in that sort of bracket of movies where if you haven't seen it then I mean the cultural impact alone of that film I would say you have more reason not to have seen Star Wars than either Jurassic Park or Indiana Jones or E.T. even I agree. Well, because I guess Star Wars has that whole nerd well, and I don't, afterglow, doesn't I feel it? like it was never on TV. I don't remember it being on TV. No. Jurassic Park always was. Indiana Jones always was. The other one was uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Yeah, every time I've watched Star Wars, it was on VHS. Yeah, exactly. It was one you had to seek out, I guess. Mm. I, don't know if, I don't know how true that is, but that's definitely my imagination. That said, the copy of Return of the Jedi I watched my entire childhood was taped off of the TV. Really? Interesting. Yeah, so I never knew what happened for the first 10 minutes until DVDs appeared. I watched the, uh, Indiana Jones, well, the other day on VHS. It's the first time I've watched a VHS in a very long time. And it was very, very satisfactory. I enjoyed it. Is that because it was on VHS? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I there, think there is a thing about that. There's a grainy comfort of nostalgia to VHS. <laughs> there's something about horror movies as well. Like, mm. Well, not horror... Generally, there is a thing about certain films, I think. 100%. I've still got some lying around. Because they are, cause I'd prefer watching it. What a hipster. What a scumbag hipster man. 
Yeah, so what, uh, you've been moving house? I have. I have. I haven't really done much else. We're currently uh, in your new flat, surrounded by boxes, suitcases. We've made a makeshift radio recording studio. Yeah, so we're not on a table or a desk. We are on two plastic boxes full of comics and one full of DVDs. I'm sat on a suitcase, which is sat on a couch. Yes, because you weren't quite high enough to reach the top of the mic. Yeah. In the box, I can see Pumpkinhead 2. Nice. Yep. Uh, Alien Apocalypse. Dog Soldiers. My taste in films is flawless. I think you'll agree. Well... We'll see. We'll see when we uh, name some of your films. There's one film which you own which is uh, appalling. (laughs) Really? I I don't understand why you have it. Well, I might have some ex-girlfriends things in here. Ah, right. Any excuse? My defence. Yes. Yes. (sighs) Anyway. What are we doing with the show today, Adam? We are... uh, Okay, well, of course, we're going to have our in-depth film discussion. Uh, We've got some news... Yeah. Well, some things that come out that we want to talk about. Uh, we're also going to be talking a bit about the film we're still working on. Um, and then have a bit of fun and games. 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 And some film reviews as well. For yes. Wild Rose and the other one. The other one. Uh, with Chloe Moretz, Grace Moretz. Oh, what is it called? Greta? Yes. That looks very good. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we shall see in the review. Ooh. Have you been watching anything over the past two weeks? Not really. But I did go on a course, a filmmaking course, with Chris Jones, a guy who wrote books that we read as teenagers and certainly inspired me. And he said, filmmakers shouldn't be consumers, we should be producers. Okay, so what did he mean by that? He means we shouldn't be asking the question, what have you been watching? We should be asking the question, what have you been doing? Oh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well. Let's give ourselves some motivation, shall we? Okay, okay. So, Rob, what have you been doing? What have I been doing? With your life, your precious, rare life. With my life? Yes. Well, um, last weekend I went to Exeter... And I got the mega bus again, and it was appalling. Uh, I know. I had a lovely time in Exeter. It's a very nice, quaint city. And then on the way back, I left my suitcase on the train. Oh. I think no, it was like no. 150 pounds worth of stuff, suitcase included, all gone, just because I couldn't be bothered to look in the bloody uh, head case hold. What? You just left? I just got off the train. I left a suitcase on the the hand the head luggage. Oh. And I walked off the train and I got in the car where I was going. So you've not done Lost and Found? I did do Lost and Found. And um, they got it. They made me fill out a form. I called them. I called <laughs> I went to a freaking Peter Bar. I called the Peter Bar and they were like, oh no, well, we don't have it. So then I called Thameslink and then they said, no, you've got to fill a form out and we'll get back to you. Did you do it? Yeah, I did it. Okay. But it's stupid, isn't it? They've got a room where they put the lost property. Why can't they just send someone in to get it? They've probably got an infinite room. That's full of 15,000 years worth of passenger material. What, like in Raiders of the Lost Ark? Oh, spoilers. Mm. Is that where they put it? Yeah. But yeah. what have you been doing that's on topic, Rob? Uh, I watched Game of Thrones. Uh, Got to talk about it. Eventually. It was very good. Was it? It was nice. Like Loads of characters reuniting. Some who hadn't been together since the first series. And the best cameo of all time. The best cameo I've ever seen in anything. 
Uh, Rob McKelney, aka. Should you be saying this? No, it's not a spoiler because if you don't, if you don't know, then you won't see it. All oh, right, okay. it's not a spoiler. Rob McKelney. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. He plays Mac. Oh, Mac! He's in it for one second, and he gets shot in the eye of an arrow. Nice. It's just his face, his stupid Mac face with long hair, <laughs> and then he's like, Ugh! and then it falls on the ground. Amazing. Like, yeah, best cameo ever. But yeah, apart from that, very good, very good, very good. Anything else you've been doing? Writing a certain script? I've been writing a script. Yay! What uh, for? Uh, so there's a contest called the B... Well, I don't know if it's a contest per se. It's called the BBC Writers' Room. Any... Uh, well, yes. It's a competition that the BBC Writers' Room have promoted. Yeah. Yeah. So if It's not actually the BBC. Oh, is it not? I don't... It's not the book. Oh, actually, maybe it is. I don't, I don't know. Anyway. Don't ask me. It's something you found on the Writers' Room, which is a good resource for anyone to watch. Views, rather. Yeah, if you're thinking like, oh, I want to get my script to be read by someone like big, mm. or I want, you know, I want to see what I can get. The BBC Writers Room has two contests a year: one, one for comedy, one for drama. So you can write a comedy sitcom script, for example. At the moment, you've got about ten days left to finish it before you can send it off. Well, by the time this comes out, uh, no time uh, at all. To three, three it. days. Three days. Three days. Write out a script, and if you and. They pick about 40 people, I think. And if you get picked, then you go and do these free, uh, like, proper writing courses. You team up with other writers. Mm. You get taught by a professional about writing. It's very, very good. So I'm trying to win that. I'm trying to get into those. So what's in your, what's your logline for your sitcom? Uh, The office, but in a blank. Because I don't want anyone to steal my idea. You're so tight. I don't care. I don't want anyone to steal my idea. All right, okay. Who's the character? Not without names, just tell me what they are. Uh, they are, uh, they've just graduated. Um, they can't get into a proper career because their degree is crap. Right. So they go and work in a blank. Okay. And, uh, What's they, their goal? Um, to get good at their job. Okay. What's stopping that happening? Their lack of ability to learn how to use the blank. Okay. And their lack of ability how to, like, they're a very slow learner. And they think just because they've got a degree they're going to do this job really easily but let's do so and what's the theme theme is um, like realising that life is tougher than you'd expect after a certain time I suppose okay yeah very good that's um, that's the four fingers yeah not the five finger pitch because you won't give us the setting nah what's this genre comedy yeah okay yeah alright alright so when are we going to see it uh well as soon as the BBC pick it you know and it was it's going to be so good obviously it's going to go straight to the head head boss and he's yeah be like well we've got to make this straight away Mr BBC yeah give him a hundred grand to write it you know King of the Big British Castle yeah <laughs> send me this Rob send me this Rob right and I make him so <laughs> not going to get me now are they right well yeah what have you been doing so well hey well we're running out of time now yeah all right. Because <laughs> you've been prattling on. Oh, you may be prattle on. So, okay, it's The Office meets X. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. that's good enough. It's used to play The Office theme. Sweet. What's the song? Uh, what? Stereophonics. Handbags and the glad rags. Your old man's handbag. <laughs> it's been a long weekend, man. <laughs> handbags and the glam rags? Glam rags? Why are you just looking at me? <laughs> One message. Message one. Hey, Screenbuck here. It's Harrison Ford here. I, I just want to say I don't really want to do the the interview today. I, 
I'm really tired. I'm really ill, and I'm getting old, man. I'm getting old. And I know you wanted me to come and talk about Indiana Jones, but I've, I've been talking about that my entire career. I just want to go to bed, stick on the television, watch some Big Brother, have a beer, just wait for this auto, you know, end, and I can just be buried in the ground. Anyway, yeah, I'm not doing the interview. You can even stick it up your ass. Alright. How do you turn this thing off? How do you turn this thing off? Oh, mademoiselle, would you like to have a film discussion? Oh, yes, monsieur. I'd love to have an in-depth film discussion with you. Like that do on screen, bucket. And that was Marion's theme from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ooh, what a pretty tune. What a pretty tune. It's very Star Warsy, though, isn't it? So Star, it's uncannily, like, similar. Yeah, well, John Williams, he only has a couple tunes. Yeah. He just a couple banging tunes. Just switches a few notes around and cracks on, doesn't he? <laughs> but yes, that was from Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first of the Indiana Jones quadrilogy. Uh, Indiana Jones, in general, first of all, it, it, it's a massive film, isn't it? Huge. I, I would. People might describe it as a cult classic these days, but it's not, is it? I oh, above and beyond. Surely, yeah. It's it's huge. It's a family favorite. Yeah. Considering it's full of murder and Nazis and and extremely graphic. All all of the films are like have moments of like extremely graphic wow. violence. It is. It's classic uh, golden age Spielberg. I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 1981. Harrison Ford. This is. It's not the start of his uh, his golden age, but it's very, very near the top. And Spielberg, of course, is known for his uh, his family favourites with a bit of an edge. Mm. A bit of kids swearing. Yeah, he slips in an S every now and again, doesn't he? Yeah, and, it's fa- and the story came about because George Lucas isn't big for the glitz and glam of the film world. Because he was at one time an indie filmmaker. Um, and he got away from all the hype of Star Wars. And that's where he met Steven Spielberg. Where Spielberg uh, admitted that he always wanted to do a James Bond film. And Lucas said, ah, I've got an idea. And basically pitched this sort of 1930s uh, action hero. Just like they used to do the old serials, the sort of same thing that inspired Star Wars. That's interesting because in a way, wouldn't it have been awesome if Indiana Jones kept kind of being replaced by different actors and they just kept on making That more would more have films. been interesting, yeah. But Indy's definitely a James Bond-ish figure. yeah. Heroic adventurer, meets all the women, Yeah, does his own thing. Fights the bad guys and evil geniuses. Even gets sent out by uh, CIA-suited yeah. government people. Yes, he does. In all of them? No, not the second one. No. But anyway, anyway. So, Raiders of the Lost Ark opens in 1936 in Peru, in the yes. jungle. Ooh. A hugely iconic scene where Indy enters a tomb with a team mm. of... Uh... But before then, Spielberg has this amazing way of teasing characters. Oh, yes. And Indiana Jones is the is the prime example. It's something that we nicked for our uh, web series, that's comic, that will hopefully come out eventually, uh, where you sort of tease moments of the character. You tease their sort of bits and pieces without seeing them. Tells the story of what this person is about. Exactly. So uh, we see a sort of shape of a man with some uh, more, uh, what's the best word? Slovenly? Yeah. Sort of panicked, sort of 
locals, I, I, I assume anyway, um, who are walking around scared around this jungle where you've got one figure who just keeps walking. And he's got a gun and he's got a whip and he's got a hat and he's got yeah. a leather jacket. And that's all we see until the moment when... So one of the people turns a gun on him. He, well, is it the intention of assassinating yes. him? And all we see is the gun comes out and he pulls back the, the thingy majigger mm. and then um, you see Indiana Jones's head move. He's, he's heard. He's yes. heard the sound. whip a <laughs> good... Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. And he... And he steps into the light and we see it's Harrison Ford looking handsome and saucy. He's dastardly looks sexy man. Yes. And, and that is like the ultimate opening of any introduction of any character I would say yeah I because suddenly we think oh we know this guy he's awesome he's cool he's badass and he's got a whip and he can hear guns from 20 yards and people want to kill him for some reason so clearly yeah. he's important yeah yeah so we now end up with uh, with one one guy yep who is he was Dr. Octopus in Spider-Man 2 he was he was what was his name bloke Yes, Alfred Molina. Molina? Is that right? Yeah. Molina. One or the other. Yeah, either way. Either way. Either way. (laughs) So, um, what's Indy doing? So, he is after an artifact within a tomb. Hmm. An Um, idol. An idol. And there's all sorts of booby traps in these tombs, as will become a big staple within the franchise. But Indy can always spot them before they happen. Whenever his uh, so-called friend tries to venture too far forward... And you'll stop him. Trigger the mechanism. Spikes will come out of the side of the wall with a dead body attached to him. He's also uh, remarkably calm when 15 million tarantulas land on him. Yeah. How do you feel as a non-spider lover? Uh, No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah? So... He just brushes them off, doesn't he? Whatever. Yeah, he doesn't care. Just brushes them off. And eventually finds his way to the idle chamber. Grabs the idol slowly, he gets the bag of sand, he switches, he's put the bag of sand where the idol once was, nothing's happened. He smiles, he turns and walks away, and then we see the stand slowly move down. Yes. And we know all hell is about to break loose. And suddenly this calm and collected guy suddenly just panics and runs. Yeah, he's off. The darts are shooting left and right, Um, the floor collapses. Hmm. Does the floor collapse or does the... I think where they originally swung over with the whip... Oh, yes. Then the other guy swings back. And he takes the... Anyway, yes, he right. He takes the after Indy's throwing him Throw me the, the idol. Yeah. Throw me the idol. Throw me the idol. Don't do it, Indy. Yeah. And uh, Indy throws him the idol and he betrays him and runs away. And this is the first time of many where Indy becomes a not James Bond character. He oh, becomes yeah. a bit flappy. <laughs> yes. And a bit like... Not... He isn't the top dog. Because he jumps, doesn't he? Because he doesn't have the whip to swing over the gap. He leaps and he grabs hold of some grass. And then the grass keeps coming. It's like, oh! There's two other bits in the film where he's where his like human, real, like realistic side comes. And one of them, which is probably my favourite bit in the whole film, hmm. is when he's climbing up the German bomber in the plane screen and uh, in the plane scene. Yes. And he turns around and there's this ginormous German bomber oh, standing there. And he slides back. Ah! We slides back down. It's like, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. But yes, uh, we meet um, after the amazing escape scene where he ch- famously gets chased by a boulder mm. that rolls towards him. 
Um, he eventually com- is confronted by Belloc. Yes. A dodgy French man. Dr. Jones, fancy seeing you here. You know, yes. that kind of thing. Played by Paul Freeman. Um, who's his nemesis? He's yeah. another... It's like a rival in archaeology. He's yeah, kind of... he's a rival treasure hunter, definitely. Who's who's befriended the local tribesmen? So there's a whole thing, and Indy has to run away, and that's the second time we see him flap mm. when he gets in his escape plane. Yeah, having bravely brushed off millions of tarantulas, he jumps right into the uh, seat with a snake on it. <laughs> he freaks out. There's a snake. There's a snake. I hate snakes. Well, it's, it, it's what's amazing about it. What for me anyway? What I love about it is he. Uh, if you hadn't seen all the stuff he's just done, he would look like a complete sop, you know, yeah. at that moment. So you imagine that the pilot's like, ah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, he is an archaeologist. He's also a, a history lecturer. Yes, history professor. And he's very much loved by the girl students. Mm. Famously, what <clears throat> one of the students has written Love You on her Yeah, which eyelids. distracts him. Was, what, what, what? <laughs> And then there's another little nerdy pupil who runs past and just leaves an apple on his desk. There's a really dorky, uh, awkward-looking guy. Just yeah. quite puts an apple just on. Just puts an apple and keeps him running. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. even acknowledge it. <laughs> Indy's met by Marcus. Yes, the curator at the museum. Yes. Uh, who says that the CIA are waiting for Indy. Mm, they want a word. Ooh. So this is where the year becomes important. Yeah. Because uh, the Nazis are around. Mm. The Germans are starting to sort of be a bit dodgy. The war hasn't started yet, but people are wary, aren't they? Mm. And the CIA are wary as well. Hitler's on some sort of mission to acquire all the relics, his religious and arty Yeah, they, they express their awareness that Hitler is obsessed with the occult, which mm. in fact he was. Mm. Yes. Um, which is another great thing about Indiana Jones. It's always kind of inspired, you know, with a bit of truth. Yes. Um, and they decipher the they are, in fact, looking for the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. Which carries the um, what's it, the, the Ten Commandments. Mm. And uh, it's somewhere in Egypt. Yeah. So they need to go and get it. So they want Indy to go and get it. But, and he knows someone who has something that will point him in the right direction, conveniently. Yes. His, uh, yes. Professor Ravenwood, who's actually died, but his daughter is very much alive and living in Nepal. Nepal. Who happens to be Indy's ex. Yeah. Yeah. Bit convenient. see that. <laughs> so off Indy goes to uh, to Nepal and finds Marion in her bar. She runs a bar? She runs a bar. She gets absolutely hammered with the locals every she's, other night. Well, she's, play- she, she's shown to be playing a drinking game. Yes. Where she beats the other guy just because she can drink so much. Hmm. So much vodka, presumably, uh, knocking the local out. Mm. And that's interesting. That's something to remember. Yeah. Um, she's then confronted by the Nazis. Yeah, the Nazis, the bad guys, including uh, the Gestapo. Who the Gestapo agent? He doesn't actually have a name. No, I think he has a credit. It's Tot. 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 Right. Tot. Odd name for a Nazi. Major Tot. Yeah. Um, who is this creepy, sinister-looking man? Very sinister. Looks an awful look like someone went to college with, as you used to tell him to his face. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Sorry, Fampy. <sighs> That's right. We weren't calling him Just a Gestapo agent. Just we were calling him an elephant. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but, yeah. Uh, Q, Indiana 
well, Indiana, he had previously gone in to say hello. Oh, and yes, yes, you She right. said, send him to come back tomorrow. Mm-hmm. He comes back in the middle of the start of one of the best bar fights in film history. One of the best. I think it might be the best. Yeah, it's it, awesome. It has everything. It's really, really great fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just a massive bar fight. Ends up with the place burning down and Marion's got nothing else to do but go with Indy. I mean, you have guns, you have people being smashed on the head with whiskey bottles, you have a yeah. fire that goes across the bar whilst Indy's head is being held up against it. Oh, and Tot picks up the relic, doesn't he? Yeah. Which is burning yeah. hot and yeah. scorches the thing into his hand. That's awesome. Do you only think when you watch that scene, drop it. Yeah. Drop it. Or <laughs> yeah. well, use your glove. Yeah, one uh, or the other. Yeah. Um, and off they go on an adventure. Marion and Indy then shoot off to Egypt. Yeah, and the iconic sort of... Uh, faded map mm. of the plane journeying across the world straight out of sort of 1920s 1930s tv yes uh, it's awesome yeah so they land in egypt we were uh, introduced to john reese davis of gimli fame his character Salah. yeah who is one of the most joyous characters that again is very james bondy to meet yes. a local who's a bit fun yeah bit of fun absolutely yeah and off they go they start digging up the uh they managed to Oh, there's a whole Cairo bit. There's so much to talk about. Because uh, Marion gets kidnapped, yeah. presumed dead. They they accept that she's dead and they continue looking for the Covenant anyway. For the Ark of the Covenant. It's got so much going on. There's mm. Your best bit, your best scene, also happens during that chase. There's a big chase scene which uh, Indy's fighting off people with a whip. Indy's, you know, Marion's being put into like a basket and then there's like a scene where... There's a crowd of people all holding the same basket and India has to tip every basket out to see if Marion's in there. But then there's one bit where he's walking through the crowd and the crowd forms a gangway. And at the other side of the crowd is this uh, sword-wielding, scimitar-wielding, like, badass warrior. Yes. He looks like, you know, this guy's unstoppable. How's Indy going to kill him? Yep. Indy just pulls his gun out and shoots him. It's very funny, <laughs> but... Uh, famously, the reason that that happened, there was already choreographed like this massive scene. Whip where versus sword. Whip versus yeah, sword. Yeah, yeah. It would have probably been awesome. But then everyone got very, very ill on set. And what was Spielberg? Spielberg was the only one who so, got So yeah, everyone got ill, but apart from Spielberg, who only ate his own home-brought uh, spaghetti hoops or something like that. Brilliant. Yeah. That's a good idea. Good t- top tip. Yeah, top travel top tip, tip. Top tip. So they swapped it out. And uh, the, life, the scene has probably benefited as a result. I think it's, it's the best. And it's character building as well. Yeah. So it's great. He doesn't really care. Yeah. He's, he doesn't want to fight him. I mean, Harrison Ford is a bit typecast. He is basically Han Solo. Yeah. Just trust your blaster, kid. Mm. Mm. But yes, um, there's too much. It's hard to just talk just the plot because there is so much to talk about. There is so we haven't even mentioned that. the monkey. Oh, the monkey that gets poisoned. Bad and, dates. Yeah, it's an untrustworthy monkey. Yes, I mean, Indiana Jones is a character because I mentioned the Nazi, um, the big Nazi had to fight and he really doesn't want to fight him. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> but he, you know, there's other moments where Marion's like dabbing at his boo-boos. Oh, his yes. Sword, he's like, it hurts. Well, <laughs> yeah. And she, uh, they're on the boat, aren't they? And she flips, she's got like one of those flippy mirrors. Oh, yeah. She flips it around and smacks him in the face after she's been through this massive fight. And he screams. <laughs> oh, so funny. It's, yeah, and he's trying to take his shirt off. And yeah. Mm. He's like a human Bond, maybe. Is that a good yeah. way to describe it? Yeah, definitely. That's the thing. <coughs> There's been four films now. Indiana Jones. 
all similar sort of stuff, I guess. There's also the series as well, the young Indiana Jones. I really enjoyed that, actually. Um, me too. But what one thing that's consistent throughout is I don't. I just want to watch indie. Yeah. I just want to watch Indiana Jones, the man. Mm. You know, that's that's why I think this has over almost everything else, especially the imitators. Yeah, you just want to know what he does next. Mm. And I think as well, I mean, nowadays Chris Pratt would probably be the most realistic James Bond. Mm. But I'm not sure about that. I. Wouldn't want him to be Bonds, uh, to be uh, Indiana Jones. I wouldn't have wanted Shia LaBeouf to be the new Bond, uh, Indiana Jones. Um, I just, I would only be comfortable ever watching Harrison Ford as him. I think there is something about him. There's something Ford's got. The, Harrison Ford's got this like I don't want to be here face. Yes, in almost everything he's done, and it's always like yeah, this is great because mm. Indy though he does get enthusiastic. He also doesn't want to do all the stuff that gets him into the trouble. No. You know? So yes, when he spots the Nazi. Um, also, there's a bit when he's chasing down the truck with the Ark of the Covenants being taken oh, by the Nazis. Yes. And he's just like one at a time, like punching, kicking, getting people through. So there's a bit where he's crawling under the truck because yeah. he falls, gets pushed off it and he, has to, he crawls up to the front. He's trying to pull himself up the grate and all the things are bending away. I've seen someone put that to the Terminator 2 soundtrack, and it's pretty awesome. Really? <laughs> he doesn't give up. When no. he's uh, when he's cornered, he doesn't give up. Because, of course, yes, he, he ends up running into Belloc, who's now teamed up with the Nazis to find the Ark. And um, there's one line. They are the Nazis. There's one problem I have with the film. The Nazis never do anything wrong. Not really. We know they're evil because they're Nazis, but the film doesn't tell us that. And I feel like they should have shown more. And in fact, there's an argument to say that they thought the same thing because they added one line in. What's that? So they've taken the Ark of the Covenant. They're mm. going to test it before right. sending it to Hitler. And one of the German officers says, along the lines, I feel uncomfortable with this Jewish magic. Yeah, just throwing it in there. And you're like, oh, yeah. They're Nazis. <laughs> They're stinking Nazis. One thing we absolutely have to mention is the cinematography, the scenery, the mise-en-scene. It is a beautiful, beautiful film. It really, really is. The set pieces are amazing. Yeah, like Egyptian feasters. I mean, that's got to be like, so much of it must have been shot on location in Cairo, I assume, um, or in a similar city. Uh, I have a feeling most of it is in Tunisia. Yeah, it's just beautiful. And the um the, the tomb bits are awesome as well. Yeah. When they go into the um where the Ark is. Valley of Well of the Souls. Well of the Souls, yeah. And there's those massive like statues glaring, growling up at the hatch. Oh there's like Anubis is there, isn't it? Yeah, and, uh, they're awesome. Yeah. And the snakes. So in this pit, as we've already identified, Indy's um scared of snakes. And he has to confront them. He's forced to confront them by dropping in to a massive room of snakes and then there's the most Most of them are real as well yeah there's the most noticeable sort of uh, prop work as well when you see that cobra you can see the sheet of glass oh yes yes so so visible but you couldn't hardly have Harrison Ford face off with a real cobra it actually spat as well you can see it dropping down the really yeah 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 oh there's one bit I want to point out as well Um, Marion who is on the surface the Bond girl She's yeah. just there. Uh, she's got her own stuff going on, really, which is really, really awesome in, in this film. So 
we we first established that she uh, she's very good at drinking. She's very good at drinking. So when she she gets kidnapped and she's in Belloc's custody, yeah, and she notices some alcohol, so she challenges him to a drinking contest to try and beat him so she can escape. Very yeah, clever. We we are aware of it as the audience because it's all very well signposted. Uh, it being directed by Steven Spielberg. And they're drinking and they're drinking and they're drinking and she realises she's getting drunk quicker than he is. <laughs> what is this stuff, Renee? <laughs> I grew up with this. <laughs> it's my family label. <laughs> <laughs> so just that little moment. It's one of my favourite moments in the whole film. Smart, isn't it? Yeah, it is smart. But, of course, this isn't the end for Indiana Jones. There is... Four, oh, there's three good ones and there's a fourth one. Yes, which we won't go into today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also were working on a fifth one. Really? I wasn't aware about it. I only saw it when I was looking up uh, notes for this. 2021, Indiana Jones 5 with Harrison Ford. Well, is there going to be like any, is there going to be any good talent working on it? I have no idea, but I'm sure there'll be top men. What top men? Top men. You're listening to Screen Bucket with Adam and Rob. Welcome back to the podcast. It is us again, podcasting away. Um, as uh, many of you will know, last week we reviewed Life of Brian, Monty Python's magnum opus, their yes. greatest, finest work. Greatest work. Um, and then last week I uh, went to, I took a trip to Exeter to see some friends and we were going through Netflix. We were trying to figure out what to watch. And I stumbled across Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Mm. And my memories told me that it was as good as Life of Brian. And then yeah. I watched it with them. And I think we got half an hour in before one one of my friends plucked up the courage to say, can we do something else? Really? Yeah, yeah they just weren't into it at all. And it's interesting because Monty Python has obviously some very iconic scenes. It's got the, the knight who loses all his limbs. He's got the knights who say knee. He's got the witch... Yeah. Uh, the witch trial, the city witch trial. Is Holy Grail just something that's... Holy Grail is something that people latch onto. Yeah. Especially people of the nerdy variety. Me included. It's one of those things that everyone quotes and everyone overwatched. Yeah. All the time. Especially if you're into stuff like Warhammer, D&D. It just becomes one of those things that yeah, people hook in into. Yeah, in that world, yeah. Uh, and therefore, everyone who quotes it just seen as boring and passe and yeah. shut up you idiots the issue with the film is the pacing is uh the jokes are very dragged out you kind of feel a bit like gets to the point um life of brian's very much more quick fire and when they've actually got something going on there's a bit of satire you know you've got that whole reflection of british culture like absolutely nailed to a t like well holy grail uh they're, they're both sketch films yeah, but Holy Grail has weak sketches. Exactly that, and it exactly and it's that. framed as the sketcher because it's like different stories and different perspectives. It's like chapter four. Yeah, you know, you'll have like... one bit where a knight goes off on his own to and well, they all they all woman. split off, don't they, and do their own yeah, do their own thing, and some of them better than others. Uh, Brave Sir Robin highlight. Oh, with the the. The bard who is talking Brave about Brave Sir getting... Robin ran away. Bravely ran away. Oh, I didn't! Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that, that's a classic. That's the three-headed ogre. Yeah. That's uh, one of my favourites. The Great White Rabbit. Um, <laughs> Great nasty, yeah. pointy... See, 
I love all the little moments, but yeah, as a it's more like a patchwork. It's not a yeah fully flowing. See, there is one scene that I always think of, and I always try and quote, but I never get it quite right. And that's the constitutional peasants. Oh right, I don't I, think we even made it that far. I love that scene. That's barely in it. You got barely into it then. Oh, what when they talk? Yes, 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 yes. It's... A king. Yeah. That's very good. Oh, he's called himself a king now. Well, it's like... Uh, but then there's Terry Jones's character in that scene is just making a pile of dirt. Well, that's the thing. They're, they're having a sort of full-on philosophical discussion about yeah. uh, the... Uh, what is it? Uh, anarcho-commune. Yeah. We each take turns once a week and it's all very like political level and high level. And just you Oh, there's Dennis! You've got some lovely filth down here! <laughs> <laughs> Who's this then? I'm your king. <laughs> king, yeah. Oh, it's it's very. You could edit it down. It's, um, I mean, it's it's a good film. It's by no means bad. It just doesn't stand up to the like perfection of. Oh, without a doubt. Just just like uh, Flying Circus, Monty mm. Python's Flying Circus, really, really dated. Mm. I think unless you were really very much into it. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit weak now. It's you a bit need hard to, to watch. You need to find like the best of Python, which I think is on Netflix, which will just show their best stuff because their worst stuff is very, very testing. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a patience. In fact, The Flying Circus generally is now on Netflix, huh. and it's it's probably worth watching for a reference sake, just to see what it was like, mm. because some of it is very very good, and some of it is just trash. Yeah. Uh, Still very intelligent trash, but still sort of boring. One of the best scenes was recently... um, I got into a bit of a debate on Twitter with someone because he was saying that the music video to Taste Good With The Money by the very, very talented uh, Fat White Family Hmm. uh, was just a rip-off of Monty Python. Yes. It was a homage, in my opinion. To Naked Ladies, but not in the video. No, that's something else. That's Studio B you're thinking of. We had what that. am I thinking of? What, what are you talking about? This. Oh, right. Fat White Family, Taste Good With The Money. They parody three sketches for Monty Python or four. But it's really obvious though. So it's, it can't be a rip-off because they clearly are Monty ah, Python. They're making it obvious enough, but it's, it's a reference. It's a, yeah, it's a tribute. It, and it, even so, it makes it... Very, very funny to watch. Yeah. It's possibly one of the funniest music videos. Yeah. To a genuinely good song as well. 100%. Uh, and yeah, it's just worth watching. Taste Good With The Money, Fat White Family, check it out. You'll see what we're talking about. And to be honest, even if it is a rip-off, the fact it may be go and watch the Monty Python sketch that it's based on... Well, it's just doing it favours anyway. Yeah, it's doing its job. It's yeah. selling it. Hmm. Is that is that it? You don't... Uh, oh, that'll do. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Adam's Film Reviews. Wild Rose, 2019. Bet you're going to miss me. Uh, keep your fist still, please. You're going to be the next Dolly Parton! Ah! Your Lordship, Miss Harlan has put her childish ways behind her. <laughs> her children are living with her once again. Mom! Do you miss me? She is a promising young country singer. I'm trying to get to Nashville. Well, you better mind your tad doesn't go off when you're going through security. She now works full-time as a daily woman. Hey! I'm trying to be a country singer. 
Nobody wants to see a convicted criminal up there. Johnny Cash is a convicted criminal, you ball bag. Oh. Country music is just three chords in the truth. Just get whoever's in there out. I should have been born in America. I'm an American. You're young. You're incredibly talented. There is nothing you can't do. Thinking about your kids, you cast them off when you get a better offer. This is me trying to make something of myself, and surely that's a good thing for them. No letting them down, that would be a good thing for them. Directed by Tom Harper and written by Nicole Taylor, Wild Rose introduces us to Rose Lynn Harlan, a born and bred Glaswegian with dreams of Nashville, Tennessee. As she puts it herself, she feels like she was born an American and just needs to get back to her roots. Unfortunately, life has stumbled in the way of her dreams, and we meet her as she leaves prison, having served the sentence for running drugs into the jail, leaving behind a a young son and daughter, who she left in the care of her hard-working mother, Marion, played by the overwhelmingly talented Julie Walters. Desperate to get back to her country singing, Rosalind is disappointed to find that, during her time away, the world has moved on, and frankly, she just isn't welcome anymore. Burdened with two whining little sods, Rosalind is forced to take up work as a cleaner to start earning again. Always listening to the country greats, Rosalind unconsciously finds herself singing and dancing as she cleans. Catching the attention of the owner of the house, Susanna, amazed by her new cleaner's obvious talents, Susanna takes up the cause to find Rosalind the opportunity she needs to make her way to Tennessee. Meanwhile, Marion, her mother, pushes Rosalind to be a responsible parent and Rosalind is eventually forced to choose between living her dream or living a responsible life without hope of fame and fortune. I mean, the only thing she has to lose is everyone she's ever cared about. I'm going to cut right to the chase here. Wild Rose genuinely blew me away. I was only mildly prepared for what I expected to be a mushy, sentimental kind of story about finding your dreams. Instead, Wild Rose felt real, it felt gritty, and it shone like a star because of it. Rosalind spends the majority of the film in bright levers with a country flair, standing out against the grey concrete of Glasgow, constantly at odds with her surroundings and the world she wants to leave behind. But it isn't all bleary misery. Throughout the film, there is a dry, sharp sense of humour and wit, even if the plot was a little predictable. Jessie Buckley, playing Rosalind, is incredible. Not only does she sell her character, but her voice, man, her voice. She absolutely blew me away. And no one can fault her charisma when she's on the screen. As someone who'd rather jab a fork in their eye than sit down to watch an Andrew Lloyd Webber BBC talent show, I was unfamiliar with Jessie Buckley. But others might know her from I'd Do Anything, where she got second place. If Wild Rose is anything to go by, you can expect to see a whole lot more of this runner-up in the future. I recommend this film heartily. But if you do miss the chance to see Wild Rose on the big screen, check out the soundtrack at least, because you won't be disappointed. If you've got a voice, you've got something to say. When you put your mind to something, you can do anything. Green Bucket on NoFat FM. 
Beep-boop. Welcome to Fortnite Schmort Night. And this isn't going to be the normal formatted Fortnite Schmort Night. Um, Why been, not? Because some big stuff has come out, so we don't need to list off a load of mm. secondary stories. We'll mm. focus on the big two. All right. All yeah. right. So we're going to kick off with the big sort of kahuna of trailers this year. Yes. Star Wars. Well, arguably the big one. Mm. Arguably Avengers has taken that slot. Yeah, no, you're right, actually. Um, so we know now know that the title is The Rise of Skywalker. <sighs> yeah, The Rise of Skywalker. And interesting that you're doing that voice, Adam. Yes. Because somebody's back. Apparently. Yeah. Well, should we go through the trailer first? All right, so Ray's in the middle of the, de- the desert. She's standing there. There's uh, some form of desert cruiser speeding towards it's her. It's a TIE interceptor, I believe. Oh, mm. nerd. Nerd. What a nerd. Nerd. Um, <laughs> and she's looking all sort of, you know, focused. She's ready to take this thing down. She does this acrobatic leap just as the ship is about to crash into her. Feeling my eyes roll. Yeah. And then, you know, bloody bar kicks off. We get, uh, who comes back? Lando Calrissian. So Lando Calrissian, Who was back. always going to be back always at some point. Always going to be back. He had this trademark laugh. He's flying the Millennium Falcon with Chewie. Yep. Very nice. Um, we see Kylo Ren. He's doing some sort of kick-ass He's wrestling lightsaber move. someone or whatever, move. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, what was your overall impression? Um... Well, I liked it. It didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't have a negative reaction to it. No, nor did I. Um, hearing the laugh at the end. Right. Yeah. So that's the big thing. Yeah, the big thing. Suddenly, uh, is it Mark Hamill says it? Luke says it, doesn't he? Uh, the the line. No one's ever really gone. No one's ever really gone. No one's ever really gone. And then we hear. <laughs> Palpatine, Palpy himself, we hear the laugh of the Emperor. Oh, Darth Sidious. Uh... So, uh, one of the big wigs at Disney said that they had always, they were always going to bring him back. It was always in the plan, they just didn't know when. But I kind of get to know that because of the nature of the writing of this trilogy, obviously it's they've just... done one built up this evil dude uh, Snoke in the first two films yep killed him off in the second one so they worked themselves into a corner where well what on earth are we yeah, going to do now right so- this this is the thing that really bothers me and this shows it more than anything else because they did Force Awakens just to undo the prequels yeah they did they basically rehashed New Hope you know the original Star Wars rehashed that introduced some new characters and then I'm pretty sure J.J. Abrams said that's all we've done mm. we don't know who anyone is we don't have a plot for Snoke. We don't have an arc for anyone. That's just what's on the table. See how it goes. Ryan Johnson comes along and does a completely different thing that undermines all of The Force Awakens, which I happen to like, because I didn't like the idea of rehashing everything. I didn't like Snoke. I thought he was lame. I thought Snoke was lame, and he was CGI as well. Yeah, exactly. So he was just rubbish, and the things they'd set up, Death Stars were rubbish, wasn't interested. So that's the one thing Last Jedi, even haters must agree that it does undo the first one and for me that was good for them it might not be but they undid it because they wanted to do something different they wanted to break away from the mold they wanted to make uh, Rey not be special yeah almost word for word they said you are not special yeah you're nothing you're no one and now the third one's come out 
And apparently, maybe it's all about the Skywalkers they again. Flipped it around again. It's like make your mind up, plan it before. But you've got with something like Star Wars, you can't just guess your way and make it up as you go along. You have to have like a very good trilogy. I mean, story, say what you like about George Lucas. At least he had a full story in mind. Yeah. Apparently, he was involved in some way in this one, the new one. Really. Stepping in just to make sure it's not rubbish. So yes, but that's that's a weird sentence to say about Lucas. Yeah. God. But if there's one thing you can say about the return of Palpatine, it's that he was a fantastic villain, and it will be good to have him back. Yeah, he is the best character in Star Wars, without a doubt. He's the one everyone likes to do. I one I like to do impressions of. Yeah. Your destiny. Execute order number sixty-six. Lord Vader. <laughs> um, good, good, good. No. This just made me cringe. Um, yes. But that's the other thing as well. J.J. Abrams is back in the seat. And is this not just going to be a rehash of Return of a Jedi now? I mean, probably. Force Awakens was redoing New Hope. This is just going to be Return of a Jedi again. Long story short, the whole thing was pointless. Shouldn't have even bothered. Yeah. But this is the thing. There is the other trailer that's been leaked. The Mandalorian. The TV series. Ooh. I haven't seen that. Is it good? Yeah. I completely forgot about that. So it's, um, they're going in a sort of... Is it a Boba Fett one? It's not strictly Fett. Right. Because I think it's a black guy for one. Okay. Different characters, the same sort of armour, same sort of... Uh, bounty hunter environment but it looks very westerny it looks very exciting oh cool and the fact it's a TV series means it might be slightly better storytelling fingers crossed you won't have to be told in an hour you know right um, also fingers crossed no Jedi that'd be nice yeah I prefer anything without Jedi in it Solo yeah. Rogue One almost did it almost did it right so yeah I'm looking forward to Mandalorian see what that happens mm. Yeah, just get away from empires and stupid stars and stuff like that. Just, just get away from the repetitive Jedi Force nonsense. Boring, boring. Anyway, uh, another thing that's happened. Um, we have spent uh, many a week of Fortnite Schmortnite talking about uh, developments for Chucky, for Child's Play. Um, we just got a new trailer uh, following the announcement that Mark Hamill is going to be the voice of Chucky. And the tr- and we got an unveiling of his face, of Chucky the doll's face, and his voice, and his voice. Yes. So, what do you think of the face? I can't say it on the show. The level of swearing that you yes, because yeah. it looks horrible, and not horrible in an evil, scary way. Horrible in a this is crap. Yes, really, really. Stupidly, it looks like uh, if Toy Story did a parody of Chucky, it looks like a cartoon. It's dumb. Someone somewhere in the production was in an office and they said across the room, Hey, why don't we make Chucky's face CGI and not use a real doll? And no one shouted him down, they all agreed mm. with him. And that's what they went with. They've CGI'd the face of Chucky. Well, they were always in a CGI. Why? I was always aware they were going to CGI Why? it, but it looks terrible. It looks the very things, bad. I not I didn't. Even, you know when you get really, really bad news, and you don't. In real life, people don't tend to scream or cry or 
yeah. shout or swear. They tend to just sort of sink back in their chair and not talk for a bit. Yeah. That's basically what happened with me. <laughs> uh, Nick sent me the picture, and my only reaction was, oh. No. Oh, no. And that was it. And I sent it to you, basically said the same thing. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> um, it took me a long time to actually sit down and watch the trailer as well after seeing that picture. Yeah. Uh, it's... What the worst thing is that it, Child's Play was still a series that was going on and they've just undermined it. The other thing as well is they got rid of Brad Dourif as the voice, the, yeah. the legendary voice, uh, and got Mark Hamill in, as we announced in the last Fortnite Show Night. Yeah, and we were excited that he might put a little Joker vibe in it, mm. but instead what they've done is just make him imitate Brad Dourif. Yeah, they seem to have said, what's your best Brad Dourif impression? Yeah, pointless. Uh, okay. Oh, it's really, really bothering me. They've also given it a weird sort of Black Mirror vibe. Yeah, it's all about technology and smart houses. They can hack the house and. But that's gonna date it, yeah, isn't it? I, I mean, know, you could say that it's got some promise because it's uh, produced by the producers of it. Yeah, right. It was good. However, I've just seen. I saw Pet Cemetery last time, and I can tell you. Producers from It don't know nothing. Because that was awful, wasn't it? That was terrible. Right. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. Oh, but there was one other trailer. This What's is that? just trailer week, isn't it? Yeah, trailer week. Part two. Hobbs and... Hobbs and Shaw. Fast yeah. And <laughs> Have you seen the new trailer? I haven't. Oh, mate. It looks dumb. Does it? Good. Really, that's what, really that's what dumb. You want. That's what you want. Yeah, I'm so excited for it. Brilliant. It's just two bald men... Punching people and insulting each other. Do you know what the second trailer reminds me of? What? Do you remember the Rick and Morty episode when they're looking at interdimensional TV? Yeah, I watched it the other day. And the trailer, t- two brothers. Yeah, it's that. Oh, it's brilliant. totally just that. Fantastic. And just goes on and on and on. It's Jason Statham's sister turns up and she's like a kick-ass chick. Right. So then the, the Rock goes to his family, his Samoan family. With axes and stuff. They're not Samoan. They're... Are they New Zealand? I don't know what they are. But they all do like the hucker and it's all shouty. Hawaiian. Hawaiian. Are they Hawaiian? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Interesting. Really, really love it. Right. That'll do for Fortnite tomorrow. Is there nothing else? Uh, We're all doing too much. (laughs) A quick note about... um, how sad we were to see that Notre Dame was burning. Us and everyone else in the world. Yeah. Notre Damned. Notre Damned. Yeah. Well, I'll be Notre Damned. But interestingly, as a result, uh, Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame was like the most highly streamed film in the world. You're afterwards. saying Disney did it. Palpatine's behind it all. Yes. Palpatine's behind it all. What's going on? Yeah. Oh, Wow. I'm not that fussed about the Hunchback of Notre Dame. What I am fussed about, Time Splitters. Yeah. So let's bosh on the Notre Dame theme from Time Splitters 2. Yes. You have one message. Message one. Screen bucket. This is Lord Emperor Palpatine. And though it is not confirmed that I will be returning to the Star Wars trilogy. I'm pretty certain Disney have resurrected me, and now I will fulfill my destiny, and uh, I I will 
fulfill my destiny. I'm basically there to bring them money. I now take my orders from a small black and white mouse. I have become the feeder of this relationship. But the best thing of all is I won. Luke, with his little silly hair, is dead. Dead, dead, dead. This means only one thing. That Rise of the Skywalker is not about Anakin. It is not about Luke. It is clear that I am Emperor Palpatine Skywalker. Yes! Nick's game... <coughs> Nick's game roundup. Because I have been so very, very busy over the last three weeks, I've been to Brighton to watch my better half run a marathon. Um, and I've been working a lot. I think I've had about two days off other than that. And I'm now ill. But Adam said I still have to do something for the radio show. So I'm going to go through all the games that have been released this year that I've played and I'm gonna review them. Okay, so we start in January. Um, God, so many games have come out. Walking Dead, Final. I'm not playing that. Um, uh, Life is Strange 2, and a good God, no. Ah, Resident Evil 2. I played that. It's bloody amazing. Just play it. Um, I never played the original Resident Evil. Or any of the Resident Evils, for that matter. But I picked up the Resident Evil 2 remake. <coughs> and it was incredible. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, I played through Kingdom Hearts 1, 2 and 3 over the last month. Um, and uh, I thought I was going to hate it. But it turns out I actually love it. Um, it's surprisingly challenging. And the story, although it's absolutely mad... Kind of, kind of like it. I don't know why. Sorry. Okay, February. What the hell is Wargroove? Ah, the occupation. I played that. Rubbish. Don't play it. It's boring. You're just walking around in some weird Manchester place. It's not Manchester. It's got some other name. You're trying to find out what's happened to something. I don't even know. It's. I was just so bored. Don't play it. Uh, what else came out in February? Oh, Tetris 99. I haven't played that, but I really want to play it. Um, <coughs> Crackdown 3. That was a lot better than I expected. I didn't like the first two, but I quite enjoy Crackdown 3. It's just mindless. It's good. Uh, Metro Exodus. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Don't get what all the fuss is about and why people complained about it personally. Uh, Anthem. I put a little bit of time into that, and I wish I hadn't. Although I've heard it is better, so maybe I'll go back to it. Um, March. <sighs> Toe Jam and Earl. I played that one that was first released years and years ago. Um, Devil May Cry 5. I played that. That's good. Um, not amazing, but it's alright. Oh, a lot of games came out in March. Division 2, I will not play that. The first one was terrible. Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, I was tempted to play that, 
but then I decided not to because I'm really bad at Souls-like games, really, really bad. Um, Unravel 2 came out on the Switch, I played that when that was on um, EA Access, it's very good, uh, it's a good little sort of couple of hour game. Um, Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered, don't know why they did that. Um, and then that's March, then we're on to April. <coughs> oh, I don't know, um, I don't think I played anything in April except for... Oh, Cuphead came out on Switch. If you've got a Switch and you haven't played Cuphead, play it. Brilliant. Uh, there's a few games came out I haven't played. World War Z, that looked quite interesting. Mortal Kombat 11 just came out yesterday of time of recording. Um, I'm well excited for that. Can't wait to get down with it. Days gone. I'll probably play it when it's cheap. And uh, yeah, it looks like that's it. Wow, this year hasn't actually been that as good as it's felt. Not a lot has actually come out. Hmm. Well, there you go, Adam. I did a review roundup because I haven't played anything for two weeks apart from about an hour of Kingdom Hearts 3 um, just to finish it up uh, so yeah As you ask for something this is what you get bye quiet on the set hope you got your popcorn and large soda ready cause you're listening to Scream Bucket with Adam and Rob Let's talk a bit about our film, shall we? Yeah, quaggers. Quaggers! Until everyone's sick to death of us talking about it. Yeah. Only a few more months, don't worry about it. Yeah, then you can watch it. <laughs> quaggers, um, we're on a bit of a hiatus at the moment. We mentioned that our first shoot was cut short by the blooming rain. Yeah. So now we're having to do the final scenes uh, that we were going to shoot that night at the end of May. So a little That's film ages away. Yeah, a little filmmaking advice. Book all your dates as soon as possible so you know when you can have the actors. Yeah, and maybe throw in some insurance dates as well after the fact. Yes. Cuz I think do you know what I think I've learned most from this process, this project? Would it have been better if we just booked a week off work and just did it in one go? Yes. 100%. But yeah. then again, it, it has given us the luxury of being able to make things, plan things. Yeah, there is that. We have give, given Josh a chance to finish the costume and, and all that sort of stuff. But maybe for the future, try and do it in one go. Yeah, because we've done, we can edit and, you know. We've spread it out over three weekends, just with the actors. Mm. There's still a load of effects work we need to do. Mm. <sighs> so, yeah. yes. But that's all fun. Um, but during our hiatus, I mean, I'm going to try and get a basic edit done called an assembly edit. Oh, of course, yeah. So that's basically when you put everything in order, going by the script, mm. which is it's pretty easy to do, but it is does give you a quite dodgy product, I guess. You do look at it and go, "Oh, is this what we spent all our money money and time on?" Yeah, but then you edit it, you sort it out, and then you come up yeah. with something good. It's mostly just to see what shots didn't work. Do we need to do reshoots? Do we need to put an extra thing in? You know, slot mm. another thing in. So it's all good. Yeah. I just need to start doing that. Now I've moved in. Well, now I'm mostly in. Uh, I can start doing that now. So that's going to be fun. Yeah. 
Um, but again, during the hi- hiatus, I've been wearing our T-shirt. Have you? People on our Twitter and uh, and my Instagram would have seen that we have these T-shirts of the creature, of the quagga. Um, I've been wearing it about just because, just to get people talking about it. Absolutely. Like, people, mostly me. People are not versed with the quaggas yet. So, you know, people see us wearing the shirts and they're like, what the hell is that thing? Well, pe- yeah, and people do say that. They go, what is that? Mm. Especially in the pub sort of casual situation what is that um and i and i start talking about it mm. and watch people's eyes glaze over but i carry on regardless <laughs> um but yeah it i think what works is it does have it's got a sort of ah, there's something about it that people recognize yeah and i'm not sure exactly what that is and no one's quite sure what that is because i sort of made it up from various different things someone said it looked like an angry sorting hat right okay which i can see that mm. It's got a look, it's got this mischievous Gremlins-esque, so when a Gremlin is up to something wrong, they've yeah. got a little snarl going on, but at the same time, there's something alien about it. it I, I would say it looks more like a bald critter. Yeah. But there is a Gremlins-ness about it. Yeah. It's got a little face. Little face. Critter in aesthetics, Gremlin in personality. Yeah, that's that's very well put. Actually, yeah, that's very that's a good thing to remember. But yeah, so creature design is, I think it's interesting because mm. I got it from there was a guy on Twitter. I should find his name actually because I, I should probably start referencing him more. Guy on Twitter who made some miniatures, like war game, like Warhammer miniatures of these. Um, what are the mischievous spirits called in Harry Potter? Uh, Boggart. Boggarts. Yes, he did these Boggart miniatures. And Quaggers are very similar to Boggarts. Right. In in the sense that in the original script, in a, set in a house, they were hiding in the furniture, causing trouble. Yeah. Which is the Boggart, actually, thinking about it. Yeah, Boggart changes its appearance based on your fear. Right. Because, uh, the Quaggers originally, they could morph with, like, you know, household appliances. And- yeah, so they could, they, because they're mostly liquid, they could actually take the shape of the inside of a phone or yeah. or a sofa you know which i think will still happen yeah um and yeah and just cause trouble and and try and eat you i guess mostly um so yeah i, I contacted this guy and said these awesome these designs are awesome do you do art and he said yes i do so i got him to draw up our concept art which um, is why i need to find out his name yes i mean he's very important <laughs> well yes he is um and from that we met Marco Caruso, who's a local model maker, and he made us a basic model that we then took away, made silicon moulds of, filled with latex, and made our latex puppet. Yeah. And uh, we added, we used real shark's teeth. Yep. Which we would swap out for gummy versions for when the actors actually have to be bit by the quagga. Yeah, f- thankfully... Through the design choices, we you can detach the the teeth, the row of teeth. So in fact, one model we could even have at least four versions of. Yes, yeah, because we can swap the teeth around. We'd have put the teeth at the top or teeth at the bottom. Swap them out completely. Maybe just make it gummy. Um, yeah, it's really really quite. We've obviously got eyes in there as well that we could. We haven't done it, but we could swap out. I think that's important in. Um... I mean, not, not really critters, but in Gremlins, one of the things people love most about Gremlins, and especially Gremlins 2, mm. everyone's got their own favourite Gremlin. Yeah. So I think what we've 
successfully done with quaggers by giving us the ability to have different ones you know it, it offers you the opportunity to be creative and you know i definitely want us to do a few more models and i want us to be a bit mad with it yeah because one we've got is two eyes and a mouth yeah i want us to have one with eight eyes or 15 eyes little different sizes yeah. and shapes like a fly yes. i want one to have one massive eye yeah one that looks angry one that looks you know. one with a single human foot yes yeah, which just yeah. stomps around <laughs> you know, things like that one with human teeth might be weird oh, very freaky like that fish have you seen that fish yes oh gross oh completely off subject yeah my f- my goldfish died oh your goldfish i didn't even know you had it, a goldfish it didn't stay dead what my goldfish um when it was swimming around in its tank and it went on its side and stopped moving right? okay died yeah and i was like oh well that's quite sad and he he was we've had him for three years which is a long time for a goldfish right so i thought well all right we'll give him a burial tomorrow maybe we'll do the traditional thing of flushing him down the toilet blah, blah, blah. went in the next morning and he was just swwimming around like a madman how long have you had it three years how long do they normally live like uh, a goldfish normally well it depends some only last a few weeks they can live that long okay but I'm past the age where your parents haven't swapped it out yeah but I'm surely past <laughs> the age where they do that to spare me I'd, I'd be surprised I wouldn't years be old. surprised they're like well let's quickly get another fish yeah, I can I can so see that happening. Oh, well, they, they probably want it dead anyway because they're <laughs> sick of cleaning the tank <laughs> maybe it's just having a nap it was dead man. maybe it was ha- maybe it had fish flu maybe it did a little cold. Oh, it's so I'm lying on my back on the water. I don't think it's ever going to die. I think it'll outlive us all. Should we test it? Yeah, let's try and kill it. Let's try and kill it. Cue mm. some montage of throwing it on the floor. It bounces back into the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh. Well, we'll come back and update you when we've got something a little bit more juicy mm. for you. Uh, won't be next time oh we'll have done the assembly edit hopefully yeah. start on some effects we'll talk about that and we'll talk about some gore as well gore yeah oh actually speaking of the t-shirts uh, they are now on sale on Spreadshirt I'm going to add a few more designs as well so it's not just the one so you can get your own, very own Quagga t-shirt oh yes I'm going to start promoting it on Twitter very soon uh, and hopefully you can help us finish the film yeah. With lots of lovely money. Please do. Lots of lovely, lovely money. Mm. Mm. I'm just a sweet screen bucket. You have one message. Message one. I'm a screen bucket. It's Johnny. It's Johnny Trevolta. I noticed you played a song. You played a song from Greece. Well, I was the lead actor in that show. I'm so happy that you play one of my songs. I'm such a big fan, and I just wanted to say, as a special reward to you two, I'm going to fly you to America, you're going to come to Los Angeles, and I'm going to take you for some coffee. I'm going to take you for some coffee. Alright? We're going to have a good time, and then after the coffee's done, I'll send you back to the UK, and you can talk about more of my movies. I'll fly you there myself because I'm a qualified pilot. Alright. That's me signing out now. Have a very nice time. Goodbye. Adam and Rob Scream Bucket. Hello. <laughs> right. Uh, we played a little game last time. 
Yes, we did. We had to uh, describe films badly. Yes. Well, we took descriptions from the internet and described films badly. Everyone had to guess what it was. Yeah. Yes, that was good, that. Mm. Although you got the the easy answers. I won, basically. I'm yeah, because you got all the game. easy answers. Because oh, I used the stupid BuzzFeed ask you. It was enough. rubbish. You're just not clever enough at filming. Uh, clever than me. <sighs> so we're going to use the fact that we're currently in a room full of boxes and DVDs and books. Yes. To... What are we doing? What we're going to do is we both selected... Three films each from your DVD collection. Yes. Right, and we haven't shown the other person the films we've chosen. Nope. We're going to f- f- quickly flash them to the other person, and then that person has to describe the plot of the film in five seconds. Are we doing that? Yeah. What did you think? I we thought we were going to describe it to the other person really, really badly. Oh, okay. No. Oh, God. Yeah. Hang on, I need to re choose. Phil. Okay. Oh, oh god okay um we i must also add that uh adam has bought us a crate of beer because um to help me to help me because <laughs> this is what happens when you go away because we have been assembling beds we have been moving furniture up to his flat room so as a reward he has bought fosters and um we have drank some fosters Whilst we've been assembling his flat, so our ability to talk about these films is going to be extremely damaged. Right, presumably you have to have seen the films. Yeah, I would have, yeah, choose films that I would have seen. Oh, God. Which is difficult because you have such weird films. <laughs> Blue Ruins. Blue Ruins. What's Blue Ruins about? Uh, you tell me. Uh, Blue Ruins is about um, Lara Croft goes into the middle of the South American jungle and finds a lost... Uh, civilization of buildings but they're all blue and um everything's blue in there the cheese graters are blue uh the toilets are blue um the apples are blue and they've not rotted all right pipe down i'm back thank god for that <laughs> blue ruin is not about any of that you idiot i didn't heard of blue ruin right so okay so we're flashing the cover to the other person yeah who then has to describe what the film happens is what? Yeah. <laughs> what the plot is. Okay. But if and if you don't know the film you just make it up. Yeah. Okay. Alright. Okay. I've got six in front of me. I'll choose the best ones. You start. Alright. Krampus. Yeah. Alright. Well Krampus is easy. Krampus is about a boy and his family who have Christmas with their horrible, horrible in laws and the kid after he gets bullied by everyone. It's five seconds, isn't it? Five seconds? Is that all I got? Alright, keep going. Alright, five seconds. Log line. Uh, boy gets punished for not believing in Santa. Okay. Alright, sweet. And everyone dies. Everyone dies. Right, cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> spiders! Uh, three teenagers get lost in um, Area 51 and giant spiders attack them. Very good. Come on. Chop, chop. The film is Lion King. It's about a boy who becomes king and and starts like being all annoying to people. <laughs> that's the, I mean that's definitely the Lion King. Yeah, you know, he's a pain in the ass. Right. Um, uh, intolerable cruelty. Catherine Zeta-Jones um, tortures uh, George Clooney with barbed wire. I mean, the cover definitely applies. To, you seen the tagline? What's the tagline? Uh, they can't keep their hands off each other's assets. <laughs> uh-huh. It's all about money. Right. right. 
dog story, Little Heroes 2. <laughs> They're bad to the bone. Uh, uh, sorry. I have watched it, and I remember liking it. I don't remember the plot. Make one up. I think some dogs solve crimes. <laughs> hey, let me read the blurb. It, I mean, it does have two dogs in police uniforms on the front. Charlie and his dog, Samson and Hercules, travel with Aunt Karen to see the ships at the Naval Yard. While Charlie and his aunt are touring the Naval Yard, the dogs save an old man who falls off the pier into the ocean. TV reporters broadcast the, he the heroics of the two dogs, hailing them as little heroes. Oh. Right. On camera, Charlie is offered a free trip to Universal Studios Hollywood and an animal hero medal for each of the dogs. Meanwhile, Carney and Slick, the two bumbling convicts previously captured by our four-legged heroes, have escaped from prison and head for Hollywood in search of revenge. So they're like the wet bandits of this story. Yeah, exactly that. Okay. Why have you got that film? Why have you got Dog Story 2? Because me and Josh were trying to challenge each other to have the worst film ever. <laughs> and he brought a Yankee in Kinetic Court or whatever. A Kinetic Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Oh, brilliant. Uh, which was a horrible <coughs> version of a quite famous story, apparently. Right. Okay. Well, I think I'm losing this one. But five seconds. Go. Pulp Fiction. Uh, oh, this is hard. Uh, <laughs> Uma Thurman has a heroin overdose and John Travolta gets shot in the toilet. Ah, nailed it. Very good. I mean, we've still got five minutes for this segment. All right, well, we're just going to have to get more DVDs, aren't we? What's the worst DVD you've seen? Oh, I'll tell you what. What's the worst one in this box underneath us? I've taken two films from... Uh, Adam's collection. So these are the ones you think are the worst or the weirdest in my collection? Yeah, I'm sure there's stranger ones. <laughs> but this one, funnily enough, has Robert England and Jenna Jameson in Which it. Which one's that? Zombie Strippers. Zombie Strippers! They'll swallow your soul. Anything <laughs> else will cost you. <laughs> That's possibly the best tagline ever. That's one of my favourites ever. I mean, it sums up the, the whole Zombie Strippers thing. I, saw, I remember seeing that in Woolworths. Really? And, thinking, and reading that tagline and going, because <laughs> so, I, I was and, about 12. And added onto that, you've got the cast that features one of the most famous porn stars of all time and the guy who played Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Masterpiece. Right, give us the blurb. All right. Um, worldwide media sensation. <laughs> <laughs> worldwide media sensation, Gemma Janeson. Well, that's yeah. one way of putting I mean, it, isn't one it? Way of putting it yeah. <laughs> and Nightmare on Elm Street's Robert England starring zombie strippers. When a secret government agency lets out a deadly chemical virus causing the reanimation of the dead, the first place to get hit is Rhinos, a hot underground strip club. <laughs> As one of the strippers gets the virus, she turns into a supernatural flesh-eating zombie stripper, making her the hit of the club. Do the rest of the girls fight the temptation to be like the star stripper, even if there was no turning back? Zombie strippers is a sexy, bloody, hilarious good time. Well, it's got everything you need. It's at, and it's genuinely really, really funny. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's you. I just sort of look at it and go, "Oh no, I'm gonna have oh, to watch it." Oh, that's terrible. But it's genuinely funny. I went through a really nasty breakup at uni, and I put that on with a bottle of rum, drank the entire bottle, and had a great time. Well, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. In that scenario. It was awesome. My housemate was sat there. I had two housemates. One was watching it with me, and the other one kept coming in, going, "What are you laughing about?" Just pointing. <laughs> look, look at it. Robert England plays a, a 
the manager of the strip club who hates uncleanliness and he hates the girls because they're filth and just sprays them with cleaning fluids. Yeah, it's great. Oh my god. So the other one, we've got um, Manborg, and the tagline is Nazi Demon Uprising. Yes, right. Manborg. Do you remember that hit film, internet film? Uh, ooh, what's it called? Or Kung Fury. Kung Fury. Yeah. Right, it was all sort of cheesy in 80s and scythe and had bloody CGI everywhere. Yeah. This is the film that Kung Fury wanted to be. Really? This is Manborg is a practical effects overload. It was made by the people who did The Void. Oh, really? Now, The Void is uh, very sort of John Carpentery, very practical effects horror film. This is a comedy action movie. Uh, okay. It is the future, and Nazi demons led by the nefarious Count Dracul... Drac- hang on. Draculon and his minions rise from the bowels of hell and take over the planet. A ragtag group of rebels is fighting back, but their rebellion is effectively crushed, leaving nothing but scorched earth on which the Hellions plan to build their new world. After a personal confrontation with the Count, a soldier is blasted into oblivion, only to awake in a dark future, to find most of his body replaced with cybernetic enhancements. A mysterious inventor has turned his bloodied remains into Manborg, Cyborg of Destruction. Great. It's amazing. Uh, and I think they're Australian, or at least half of the characters are Australian. Um, the Nazi, the Count Dracolon, Dracolon uh, has a bit of a crush on the girl and she's not having it and he's really awkward and shy. and It's brilliant. It's a whole film of just pure practical effects nonsense. It looks great. And it looks as though like the Photoshop job on the cover is so bad that it's good. <laughs> yeah, so you exactly. know you're in that bracket of... <laughs> quality where this film is gonna it also has the short film biocop which i think i sent you but you may not have watched it it's it's done as a trailer right but it's a whole short film biocop Biocop. is a cop who can't die but he really wants to (laughs) i think i've seen no i have seen that yeah oh it's brilliant yeah no i've seen that (laughs) anyway yes Welcome to my DVD collection. Yeah, and it only gets weirder from there. Yes! Adam's Film Reviews. Greta, 2018, apparently. Directed by Neil Jordan and co-written by Neil Jordan and Ray Wright, 
Greta is a psychological thriller you probably haven't heard of. But you should. You really, really should. Frances McCullen, played by, played by Chloe Grace Moretz, is a young woman who recently moved to the big city. And, like many in New York, has absolutely no idea what she wants from life. Scraping a living as a waitress in Manhattan, Frances finds a leather handbag on the subway and traces its owner back to a small house in Brooklyn. The owner, a woman with a French accent by the name of Greta Hildeck, played by the quite superb Isabel Hubert. Surprised at Frances' arrival, Greta is quick to thank her and bemoans her lonely existence over a cup of coffee. And Frances is quick to sympathise. Having lost her mother in the last year, Frances latches on to Greta and the two spark an unlikely friendship. In no time at all, they're spending more and more time together. That is until Frances makes a genuinely quite frightening discovery in Greta's home. Quite understandably freaked out, Frances does her best to run away, dodging Greta's calls and confides in her housemate Erica about how Greta is a complete and utter nutbar. However, Greta isn't so easily dismissed. Fearing for her life, Frances is unable to lose Greta, who becomes increasingly unhinged in her attempts to track Frances down. Soon Greta turns her attention on Erica, and what started as a quirky friendship begins to become a much, much darker tale. Greta, the film that is, is a bit of an unusual one. It has the feeling of a movie that belongs in the 90s at least, and possibly even directed by Woody Allen. Manhattan is always present, and Frances seems to be dressed like a woman twice her age, but this aside, there is something deeply unnerving about Greta. It feels like a stranger danger tale, one you would have heard happen to someone someone you knew knew, you know? There's nothing too deep to dwell on. It's a stalker drama, with some added shades of former abuse and general overtones of loneliness that is until the final act when things really go crazy. In general though, the plot is fairly straightforward and you likely already have a good idea of what happens if you've seen the trailer. What marks Greta up are the two leading performances, Chloe Grace Moretz and Isabel Huppert. Huppert? Sounds about right. Absolutely sell the premise with Isabel's performance delightfully unhinged. Her ability to snap between personalities is what makes Greta so deeply unnerving and troubling, being at once affable and vengeful in the same breath. Oh, and a little shout out to Micah Monroe, who plays Frances' housemate Erica. Over the course of the story, she transforms from, from idiot cosmopolitan bimbo to a girl you seriously don't want to mess with. And I've said it before, this is an actor worth watching. I would highly recommend Greta. I guarantee it will be more unnerving than any haunted doll or creature in the walls will ever, ever be. Everyone needs a friend. Between more than friends, we're connected. There's something you need to know about Greta. What? Are you insane? Just try to get rid of Greta. You have one message. Message one. Hello, Scream Bucket. It's John Rice Davies here. 
I'm here with my friend Brian Blessed. <laughs> Hello, I'm Brian Blessed. All right, you are. We were just wondering if you could promote our little mountain climb. We're about to climb a mountain together. I love mountains. You still love mountains. John, have you met my wolf? I haven't met your wolf. I will introduce him. you to my wolf. Oh, I don't <laughs> And then we can fight some locals and, you know, drink some alcohol. Oh, but you're not a dwarf anymore, are you, John? Oh, no, you know, I'm almost as tall as you are. You know, it's so good that we get on, John. Yes, I agree, I agree. Did you hear of my classmate Patrick Stewart as keeps having arguments with Ian McKellen? Something about a camembert. A camembert. A camembert. What a silly thing to have an argument about. Yes, a silly piece of cheese. Yes, a silly piece of cheese. Well, why don't we go back into that bar, eat the rest of that bear, and then we'll climb up that bleeding mountain. That bloody won't do it. <laughs> you know, I once wrestled a bear. Give it me. I wrestled a bear. Was that your first wife or your second wife? <laughs> Wait, is that my friend Jordan? Oh, Jordan? Jordan's alive! Jordan's alive! Well, that was our show, Rob. That was the show. Not much of a show. Eesh, don't put it down, man. We talked about Indiana Jones. That's true, that's true. So, next time, there's a film coming out, isn't there, between now and next time? Is there? Avengers Endgame. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my actual gosh. Actual golly gosh. Well, it's really annoying, because it's coming... Is this one coming out? So, it's coming out... This episode is coming out... The day before, or the day... No, yeah, the day Avengers is out. Yeah, so our review of it will be two weeks late. Yeah. So you'll already know, you would have already seen it, and then you'll have to hear us talking about it. Yes. Or you talking about it. I've had someone ask... A couple of people ask very nicely if they want to join us on the show. So have I. Really? Yeah. Oh, so we might actually... Maybe we should get a full table discussion. Yeah. Just have to bring someone on. Yeah. So two people, yeah. Let's just do. Should we? Should we just make the whole show a Marvel fest? Yeah. Why not? Just go Marvel mad. Just go Marvel mad. We'll call it Marvel Madness. No. 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 Why? Let's call it Hulk Mania. No. Oh. Let's call it Forgeddon. Uh, I've. Uh... <laughs> Have <laughs> you gone off the idea? Mm. We could call it Stream Bucket Assemble. Yeah, all right, let's do that. Because we're assembling those different people. Bucketeers Assemble. Yeah, Bucketeers Ooh. Assemble. Get, our, get some of our fans on board. Yeah, on that sounds that. like a good idea. Cool. Okay, right, well, we'll we'll work on that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. All right, well... Uh, we'll so if you're not already sick of comic book movies and superheroes, yeah. we're going to give you another two hours. We're going to give you a dose. A you're welcome, dose. internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I, right. Because I've been packing, I've also lost the notebook mm. I had when I uh, went to this filmmaking course, Guerrilla Filmmakers, with Chris Jones. Um. But I'm going to try. Obviously, not next time because we're going to do a Marvel Mania, Bucketeers Assemble, uh, special. But maybe afterwards I'll do like a rundown of how to do a guerrilla film. Is he going to get angry with you for doing that? Like, well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to reveal any secrets, but I will sort of hint at it. You, and you're not going to create a lawsuit. I would say though, if you want to actually really learn about filmmaking and be able to network and speak to people who are doing it, he's the man to look out for. Yeah, 
because it's mind blowing. From what you told me about it, especially with like the editing process and and marking it and uh, taking it to festivals and stuff, the pro I didn't even think about all the hundreds of things you have to do to make sure you can successfully do that. Yeah, there's loads of stuff I hadn't even begun to think of. There's a huge amount of stuff, and also the world's changed so much that making movies is now so different to even when he was making them, and he's only ten years older than us or so. Well, maybe twenty years. He was making stuff in the nineties, so yeah. Get with the times, people. Go and uh, go check out this guy's courses. There's another one in at the end of the year, isn't there? November. Yes, Gorilla Filmmakers. Right. Masterclass. Look it up. He's also got something called Talent Canvas, but I don't know too much about that. That seems to be some sort of cult. Right. But well, it's fine. Uh, in fact, ah ha 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 ah ha 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 ha. He has a technique. This might be incringing. Hmm. Do you reckon this would be dodgy? I don't know. I don't know. He has a technique for something you should do. If ever you're feeling nervous or in an environment where you need to not be nervous, when you need to be a leader, a hero, a champion. Turn into Ace Rimmer. No. Well, well, uh, actually, kind of. Uh, stand like Wonder Woman. Really? If you stand up now, and I'll play you the Wonder Woman theme. Okay, cool. Yeah, stand up now. Put your hands on your hips. Put your chest out. Put your chin up. Chin up. Chest out. Breathe deep. Yeah. Uh, it does feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Wonder All Woman. Is waiting for me. I'm going to kick ass on this film set. Yeah. I know what he wants. I'll get it done. I'm going to be the best runner any of these guys have ever seen. It's... That's it. That's genuinely it. It's walking into an environment and just having the confidence to be the hero. Yeah. The Rimmer, the Ace Rimmer. What a guy. What a guy. But it's genuinely... And in day-to-day life, if you go to the supermarket and you're feeling a bit anxious about it, stand with like Wonder Woman for a bit. It really does help. So I've nicked that off Chris Jones. That's why I keep saying his name, Chris Jones. Chris Chris Jones, Jones. who wrote the Gorilla Filmmaker's Handbook. Ooh. And he shared some stories about how that came about. And it's really, really interesting. And really definitely do it. In fact, I might try and contact some people about this show and see if we can get them on. Yeah. There's some interesting people. And most of them live in London, so they're not too far away. But anyway. Yeah. So that's something to look forward to for next time. Marvel Mania. Marvel Mania. Uh, follow us at screen underscore bucket on Twitter and at North Arts FM on Twitter and Instagram. Um, anything else? Anything else? Uh, watch your movies, watch your TV. Um, no, don't just watch. If you want to make it, make them. Uh, yes. Be a producer, not a consumer. But Unless e- you're a consumer, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, e- yeah. if you don't want to be a filmmaker, just listen to us talk about it. That's yes. what I agree. And if you're going to move house and then do a radio show, do not drink Fosters and coffee. In the really hot, yeah, really hot environment. When a bank holiday weekend has already destroyed you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Top pro tips. Mm. I'm all right. I'm going downhill. <laughs> I'll be going downhill very briefly when I catch up. Cool. Hollow Dell Media's Screen Bucket with Adam and Rob. And that was the podcast. And the radio show. And the radio show. Ooh. What were we doing? Did we do an ending to the radio? We did, didn't we? Yeah, we just... we. You just heard us talk yeah. about the Marvel Mania. Yeah, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Beer. 
Beer yeah. does terrible things to mind. <laughs> Rob is of at least 50% more naked than he was mm. at the start of this podcast. What happened? Well, you Fire. phased out a bit and yeah. tore, your, tore everything off. Ripped it all off. You've got you sometimes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yes, do follow us at Stream underscore Bucket on Twitter. Follow North Arts FM at North Arts FM on Twitter. And have a very good two weeks or week or whatever. Yes. I hope you, we hope you've had uh, any sort of bank holiday at all. If you haven't, life goes on. All right. Mm. And don't forget, three hours long. Uh, so watch what you're drinking. Yeah. Down when you're getting up and walking about. Ah, oh, going bring one of those nappies that you can just wee into. That's not a bad idea. They should build the nappies into the chairs. Yeah, so you can just oh. urinate. That's oh. not far away. When America gets us, like <laughs> any fatter, they'll just have a little like. So we enter Wall-E territory. Urine cinemas. Urine the Urine cinema. Urine the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored by Disney. Bye, everyone. Bye.